Welcome to The Right Stuff, I'm Sheena and today we're chatting to Andy Marquette. Andy talks about her writing, her livelihood and why she can't write full time. This and more coming up on The Right Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and rate it. Every rating helps. Hey everybody, my name is Andy Marquette and I am an author of predominantly lesbian fiction. I write mysteries, science fiction and romance. I also do uh, short stories and edit anthologies. I've got an anthology of lesbian erotica and romance that I co-edited with R.G. Emanuel. It's our second, our first edited anthology that we did on erotica and romance and food was a Lambda finalist last year. I was pretty stoked about that. That's about it. I also edit. I do a lot of editing. So, so if you have questions along those lines, we can talk about that too. And now back to you. You work with Ilva here. Ilva Publishing, um, that's why LVA, Ilva Publishing, is indeed one of my houses. I have worked with a few houses in the past, but primarily I am working with Ilva now, but I also do self-publish a few things. And what do you find is the difference between self-publishing and working with a publishing house? Well, for me, you know, and this is a decision that an author has to make for herself as to what's going to be the best fit for that author's life. I have a day job, you know, so I don't really have the kind of time I would like to devote to my self-publishing, which is why I only do a few things here and there in that regard. I enjoy working with um, traditional houses because a lot of the guesswork goes out. It's not anything I have to worry about. The editing is lined up for me. The covers are lined up for me. The proofreading's lined up. All I basically have to do is like kind of be there through the process, look at the proofs, and then help with promotion. Whereas when you self-publish, all of that is on you. And I don't have the kind of time that I would like to devote to self-publishing. So my hybrid existence really fits what I what I do and, and my current lifestyle, which is really busy right now. So that, that that's why I do uh, traditional more so than self-publishing. But again, you know, it depends on on what you as an author want to do. Okay. How did you end up editing erotic anthologies when your primary writing is in mystery and science fiction? Romance. I never considered myself a romance author, but you will find romantic subplots throughout my mysteries and my science fiction. They're not the driving force of those novels, but nonetheless, I, I'm kind of a romantic at heart. I like that stuff. And my website, I have posted uh, quite a few free stories, and all of them are romance. I, there's one erotic story, and I have it not safe for work. So if you read that one, make sure you're nowhere that somebody can read over your shoulder and, and think, what are you reading? So I, I have written erotica and romance. It's, it's not what I'm primarily known for, although I sort of kind of been making a little bit of a name for myself because the last two novels I've written have been primarily romance driven, the ones I just published last year. And um, I have a couple of romance novellas that I self-published and a romance novel that I self-published. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of this genre jumper. Uh, in that I do ex- explore in different genres. And I like the whole idea of an anthology of, e- of erotica and romance because you get a taste of a lot of different authors. 
And I think for a reader, that gives them a sense of trying new things and learning about new authors that they may not have, have learned about otherwise. So that's why I, I like to do anthologies. And to get short stories into anthologies, I have a lot of short stories published in various anthologies because I enjoy doing that kind of work. And I, I like people to be able to, to get a taste of what I do. And if they like it, yay! If they don't, well, there's always other authors out there, which is really cool. You're quite submerged, though, in the whole lesbian scene. Oh, God, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I am a lesbian, and I do write, so I guess so. <laughs> but you, you co-admin a blog, right? I do. Um, some of your listeners, maybe you're familiar with it, uh, Women and Words, which is at Women Words. That's one word because somebody else had women and words. Womenwords.org. And Jove Bell, my, my fellow author, Jove Bell, B-E-L-L-E, started that blog, oh wow, six years ago? Seven? When we were first starting our writing careers, she and I have been kind of on the same trajectory. We met in a writer's forum online, uh, gosh, I don't know, 11 years ago now maybe? And we've been friends ever since. So we started this blog called Women in Words. And, you know, it took a while for us to get it off the ground. We didn't know what we were doing. We still don't, but we're doing better at it now. And currently we have, I think, almost 10,500 followers. So we, we built this thing from the ground up and we wanted it to be a place where authors could could post guest blogs about their work and their forthcoming work or just, you know, to talk about publishing or writing, that sort of thing. And we also do little features like Ask the Expert. And we'll, uh, I just recently had posted a blog by um, a literary agent here in the States. And she did a really delightful interview with one of her authors that she acquired. And they did this little back and forth and gave the readers a view of what it's like to work with a literary agent. But we have uh, other experts on, like we have a, an accountant who blogs about taxes for, for writers and what writers can exempt when they're doing their taxes in the States, at least everybody has to do their own freaking taxes every year. So that's really good advice to have. So we do a lot of different things over there and we might be best known for our end of the year giveaway called the Hoot Nanny. 12 days, easily 30 to 40 books a day. <laughs> it is insane. <laughs> that is, we gear, we start gearing up for that, like in the summer because it gets so crazy. Last year, I think we gave, I think we did a count and Joe figured we gave away something like 300, 400 books. I don't know. And we also did an, a, another drawing in which we gave away some, some e-readers. So, so any profit that we make off selling t-shirts and stuff goes into this little account that we then use for prizes to give away to people. I mean, we don't make any money off this thing. And authors are so generous with their time and their books. Everybody who participates in the Hootenanny donates all those books to us and we just give them away. We have a blast. So readers, writers, if you're not in the States, we have international folks, please do drop us a line and we'll get you, we'll get you right into the Women in Words family. You'll have a blast. Guaranteed. So how do people subscribe to this blog so that they get notified of these things? You can go directly to the site. It's www.womenwords. That's W-O-M-E-N 
W-O-R-D-S dot O-R-G. There's no and in there. So, but the title of the blog is Women and Words, but the URL couldn't have the and because somebody else has that URL. (laughs) So we had to figure something out. Just go right there and you'll see the sign up and boom, done. It's a WordPress site. So if you already have a WordPress ID, makes it a lot easier. Oh, cool. So you just click the button, put in your email and you sort it. And boom, you're done and you will get notified every time a blog goes up. And we have new content like every day. So, you know, you'll get the title in your inbox and you'll think, oh, do I really want to read that or not? So it's, it's pretty easy to interact with us. Um, every month we also do uh, new releases, lists of new releases and upcoming attractions. And that's new releases in um, LGBTQ fiction, mostly lesbian fiction and feminist fiction and nonfiction. It's a blast. Um, we have authors from who are based in Australia, New Zealand. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Harper Bliss's work. She's in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, Harper Bliss actually has her own mini podcast on my channel. Oh, right on. Excellent. Harper's a blast. Love her. Um, yeah, we've got not just the States, you know, we got Canada, we've got, I'm waiting for Latin America. We don't really have anybody authors joining us from there. So yeah. And which is unfortunate for us because I would like, I wish I were more bilingual, but I'm not, but I, I do think that that would be a really interesting thing if we had like a Spanish language thing going or something to get more Latin America involved, but I don't know, maybe down the line, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so what's next for you? For Women in Words? (laughs) We're planning the hoot nanny. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Right now, Jove and I are actually getting ready for, um, I don't know, perhaps your listeners would be interested in this as well, the Golden Crown Literary Society, which is a lesbic reading and writing organization, a professional organization, holds its annual conference every year, like around June or July. So Jove and I are presenting on um, how to, we titled it something goofy. I don't remember. We were like out of control that day. Basically, how to make nice with your editor. (laughs) So it's a workshop about how authors can create sort of a professional and long-term relationship with your editors. Uh, We also have another panel in which we'll be discussing uh, cover images and trends in lesbian fiction covers and that kind of thing, because she and I are sort of visually oriented as well. So we're really fascinated with covers and how those portray certain things and evoke certain feelings. So we're doing that together. But the conference, um, it's the Golden Crown Literary Society. I believe the website is goldencrown.org. That's crown like a king or queen wears, you know, back in the day. And uh, it's like three or four days of like panels that are geared toward writers and readers. There's a lot of readers who attend this conference because writers are there and they're very generous with their time. We do a lot of book signings. We do readings. We do fun, goofy panels where it's like, ask the author and, you know, authors will take random questions. It's a really, really good time. Um, Unfortunately, it is a little pricey, especially if you're not in the States. But they try to do the best that they can and offer scholarships for some folks who can't afford to attend or the registration. And they launched a writing academy. It's a one-year program to help uh, people who are interested in writing lesbian fiction 
learn the basics of writing and get them started on that first book. So the Golden Crown does a lot of really excellent things for the community. I highly recommend it if you're ever able to go or follow them on Twitter, find out what they're up to. Golden Crown Literary Society, GCLS as it's known. So that's right now what we're planning is getting ready for the conference because we have to get all our books ready. We have to get the materials for the conferences ready. And then we have to like plan the trip, you know, <laughs> so there's a lot that goes into that. Give, give us a, a taste of the cover discussion. Uh, what, well, what Jove and I have been noticing, and maybe your readers have too, and this is not just lesbic, we've noticed it in mainstream fiction too. Uh, we call it the headless woman trend. And if you, if you notice, if you really start looking at covers, you'll, you'll see that, and I've noticed it with guys too. Some of the guys are headless in like heterosexual romances. Um, you'll see like a woman on the front of the cover positioned, you know, I don't, sometimes it's a sexy woman, you know, or she's dressed in you know, scanty clothing, but the cover image will cut her off at the neck or the head, or maybe just show her from the back with only part of her head, which kind of is really creepy if you think about it. And so we've been wondering about where does that come from? Like, why would you do that to a woman? Because women's bodies are so objectified all the time that doing it in a community that is supposed to be supportive of women is kind of creepy. And so we've been kind of noticing this trend. And we wanted to explore that with our panelists and our audience and see if anybody else is sort of noticing it and what kind of message that is sending when you see a book cover with a headless woman who's not dead, but I mean, has no head. All you're looking at is the parts of her body. What message is that sending you about the role of women in society in general and in our community? So that's one of the things we're going to address. And plus we're just, we have a really great cover designer on the panel with us. And we're gonna talk about, you know, how to actually, how, what goes into making a cover, because that's always a really interesting process for people who aren't in the industry is what a designer thinks about when she puts things together like that. That's what we're going to do. Please, please educate lesbian authors on better cover design. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, I spent 15 years in book publishing and I worked closely with our design department, but I, I don't have that kind of technical skill. I know what I like and I know what looks good, but watching a designer actually build a cover is... It's a really amazing and involved process. So hopefully the designer we have with us on the panel will be able to spend some time talking about that. Yeah, I think lesbian fiction has some of the worst covers on earth. So <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> no, that's okay. People who are familiar with me know that I am all for the make your cover better movement, which is <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing it for the lesbians everywhere. That's a function of, um, you know, if you're going to, to have a really beautiful cover, you need talented people to create that cover and you need money to pay those people to create that cover, right? Um, what happens is in the lesbian fiction community is there's not a lot of money in the, in the community. Uh, on average, if you look at demographic breakdowns, at least in this country, lesbians don't make that much money compared to a heterosexual couple. 
Uh, and that part of that is a function because lesbians are women and women just don't make as much as men. That's, you know, part of the systemic sexism of society. So there's not a lot of money. And when you further marginalize the community into a lesbian publishing ghetto, basically, where where you're not really hitting the mainstream or getting the huge audiences that mainstream or heterosexual books do, you're not making that much money. I'm Writers do not make money anyway, no matter what you're writing in. But for lesbian writers, it's even worse. I mean, a lot of us do this because we're passionate about it and we love it. And it is a little bit of extra money, but I couldn't make a living off it. So you got to kind of balance that with how are you going to have the really good professional editing and good professional titles and be able to pay for that and not lose money on what you're actually publishing? And, and that is always a, a tension and a rub. Um, when I have my self-published work done, I work with a, with a designer that I worked with like years ago. We've been friends for years. And she does designs for all kinds of books. I mean, mainstream, gay, lesbian. And she's very talented and she has a lot of years of experience. So I need to pay her what the going rates are because we're friends. She cuts me a deal and we do some barter. I'll do some work for her in exchange for, for half off the cover, but I will pay on average $500 for a cover when I'm working with a professional designer and that's low end. So when you put it in that perspective, you can kind of understand why covers, some can be really ugly or really bad or just not tasteful because a lot of people don't have the money to have it done right. Yeah, but there's options. And that's yeah, sadly a function. No, but there are options because you can go to a pre-designed cover site and there are some very gorgeous ones. And those True, can go and from, I have done that. Those can go from like 30 to $70 for a cover. So it's not that bad. And I th this is true. Also, in terms of making money, I actually disagree with you. I think lesbian fiction authors can make money, can make enough money to live off of. Harper Bliss is doing it. I'm not. <laughs> yes, but you know, my philosophy is that you're not thinking about it as a business. Oh, you mean I'm not? Yeah. Probably. Well, yeah. well, Harper is also publishing other authors. So no, she isn't. Not really. Yeah, she's got Cheyenne Blue is over there too, and but a lot of it is her stuff. And you know, yay! I'm so glad that she and her wife can can do that. Um, on average, and I just posted a couple links about this, um, most authors cannot live on what they, what they sell. You just, no, no, I'm just, aware of that. I'm aware of that. And that's why I do this, this podcast, because I want to show people that actually, if you just think about it and you, you've got to do certain business minded things to build the audience and to, to realize that Amazon works in certain ways and, right. and you know, that sort of thing. So that's true. This is true. I agree. But but there's a catch-22 here because most of us have to have day jobs to supplement yes. the writing, which means we don't have the time to create the business. You see, that's the conundrum that I'm stuck in. Um, and in the States, the way it works is, which sucks, I hate this, but our like health insurance and benefits are tied to employment. I can't just get health insurance or go to a doctor for low cost if I do not have a job in this country because it's tied to our jobs. There are options now, but they're expensive options. And so that's why I maintain a job is pretty much to maintain those benefits because as I age, healthcare is a concern.
And I just, until things change in this country, which I don't know will happen in my lifetime, that's kind of where I'm stuck right now. So that's the other consideration that a lot of us in the States just cannot do a full-time writing gig because we need the benefits that comes with, with healthcare and retirement. That's a reality and it sucks. <laughs> so let's, let's talk. What's your next book that's coming out? Um, I just released, and you know this, right? The Bureau of Holiday Affairs mm-hmm. just released that in November. It's a holiday story. Come on, you guys. It's so cute. Anyway, and I'm currently, will be publishing, Ilva's releasing the new anthology that I co-edited with R.G. Emanuel. Uh, I think the ebook comes out next month and then the print comes out in June and that's Order Up a menu of lesbian romance and erotica. It's the second anthology we did that is food, love, and sex themed because RG is a chef and I'm kind of a foodie. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun to do stories that have food incorporated in some way that deal with love and romance and and erotica. Some of the stories are kind of spicy. So that's the the one that's coming out soonest. And um, I have another secret project that I can't talk about that I think will be launching in June or July, (laughs) but I can't really talk about it yet. And then I have um, a novella that I'm doing for Ilva as part of a series that Jove Bell put together. And it's the the theme, overarching theme is law, L-A-W. It has has to have something to do with law, law enforcement, or, you know, going against law enforcement, that kind of thing. And that one, I think, is coming out in August. And I'm calling it um, If Looks Could Kill. And basically, it's about a, uh, a investigator, a police investigator, who has to infiltrate a fashion house in New York <laughs> to find out if the fashion house is... Uh, well, involved in a black market arms trade. <laughs> it's sort of a cross between The Devil Me- the devil Wears Prada, that movie with Meryl Streep, and James Bond. So there's a lot of humor and a few serious things in it, but it's mostly kind of a, a sort of a pure fluffy adventure slash romance kind of thing. So that one will be hopefully ready by August. That sounds charming. <laughs> It was fun. It's it's kind of I'm having a lot of fun writing it, and I'm doing some other projects. Uh, I'm always writing. Writers always write, even when they're not actually at the keyboard. They're always writing in their heads. So I'm I have another paranormal thing I'm working on, and I'm not sure when that will ever see the light of day. But I'm hoping in the next year, maybe I'll have that the first book in it. I'm thinking of trilogy of that one. So again, crossing genres, doing some paranormal stuff. Okay. So if readers had to start with, if they've never read you before, what's the first book they should read of yours? Depends on what they like. Right now, my mysteries are uh, the contracts expired with the publishing house they were with. So two are now off the market, the first two. The third comes off the market this summer. The fourth will be available for another few years. But I'm trying to get those reshaped and more beautiful and get them back on the market. So, but you can still get them used. Um, no more, there's no ebooks. You know, it'd have to be paper. But if, if your readers are interested in that, I can hook them up with, um, with, with that if, they're, if they'd like. Uh, the science fiction is also off the market. The, the contract's expired. And I am working diligently to get those back on the market. And that may happen this year. 
So uh, I, I have some fans of that series because it's a really fun, rollicking space opera series. And they're like, please put them back on the market. And I, I'm working on it. I just finished rewrites for the first and I added a good 20,000 words to it. So it's, it's a different sort of book. The story's the same, but I've made it prettier, if you will, and added some things. So hopefully that'll be ready this year. And then the other ones will also be ready. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on that one. So we'll see where that goes. Um, the romance, all my romance is available. And if you want to see what I, what I write, you can find excerpts, uh, from the mysteries and the science fiction still on my website to see if it's something you'd be interested in. I do have a bunch of free short stories available on my website. One, uh, my short stories tend to be a little bit longer. So you're, you'll be getting like, you know, 10 to 15,000 words in some of those stories, but they're free and they're up there on my site. You can go have a look, see if anything appeals to you. And you know, I figure before you buy, try, right? So <laughs> get a sense of it if that's something that that you like and if you like my writing style um there you go and readers can always contact me directly i love it when they do i get back to them as soon as possible barring a zombie apocalypse and they can ask me questions and i am generally pretty generous with books so if i understand there's not a lot of money to be had sometimes and i will try to help you out as best i can so just drop me a line directly Fantastic. And Andy, can you just answer one more question for me? What is it with the Devil Wears Prada? I'm sorry, what? What? What's the fascination with the Devil Wears Prada? I've seen now a lot of... Uh, you know, this is what's funny about that. Um, the movie, have you seen the movie with Meryl Streep? I have. It was, um, you know, it's an older movie. It's been around for a while. And I saw the movie and I thought it was a cute kind of thing. And then when I started writing this novella, it sort of... That was the first thing I thought of when I started kind of crafting the characters for this novella was, oh, yeah, this is sort of like when that woman showed up at the fashion house and Meryl Streep was such a skank and a bitch to her. I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be kind of a fun thing to inject into this story. I didn't think anything of it. And then I suddenly started noticing that there's a lot of fanfic out there and a lot of like references to it. And I came to it completely organically. I had no idea that this was part of a fanfic universe. So I don't know. Um, but hey, you know, why not? Like fanfic can be a lot of fun. And so good for those people that are doing new things with it. I don't know what the fascination is, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, cool. if, people, if people want to find you online, what's your website address? My website is www.andymarquette. That's one word. It's very cryptic. A-N-D-I-M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E dot com. I can, I'm also on, on Twitter at Andy Marquette. You know, I know it's really difficult. Facebook, Andy Marquette. <laughs> Amazon, Andy Marquette. <laughs> I try to make it really difficult for people. Can you tell? Goodreads, Andy Marquette. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So I still don't feel happy though with your answer. So if somebody decides, hey, Andy Marquette sounds like the most awesome author on earth. Oh, wow. I'm going to go look up her book on Amazon. Which one should they read first? Again, it depends on your taste. If you're into romance, uh, my, my most popular romances are the novella From the Boots Up. And the follow-up novel, From the Hat Down. 
those take place in the Western United States. I am, I am from the West. I am a Westerner through and through. Uh, they take place in Wyoming. And it's, it's a grand saga between a Wyoming cowgirl and a journalist. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go check it out. Drop me a line. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time, Andy. Sure. That's it. You can stop recording now. Oh, I can? Yay, me! Okay. You've been listening to The Right Stuff. I'm Sheena, and today's guest was Andy Marquette. Show some support by subscribing to this podcast.